0: Merry Christmas. Ah, feels a little weird saying that, doesn't it? Is it a bit early? December 2nd? Merry Christmas? <laughs> I'd say it's December and it's fair game now, hey? Awesome. Oh, worship was beautiful this morning. It was so good. It was awesome. I don't know if anybody noticed, and actually I can't remember if Rick mentioned this at the beginning, there, there's a bit of a change up here. How many of you see less monitors? There are less monitors on the stage. Most of our worship team this morning had in-ear monitors, and so there was a clarity and a cleanliness about the sound, and I'm just celebrating that. That was awesome. We're looking forward to that just getting better and better and better as we get new technology for our worship team, so that's exciting. Uh, Church, we are beginning a new series in the Father's house today. I love that I have the opportunity to kick off a new series. This is one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I love when our team has the opportunity to communicate the message of Christmas to you and to our community, because this is a series where we're wanting you to invite your family, to invite your friends. Uh, This is all going to move towards Christmas Eve. The, The big message on Christmas Eve is the gift, and we want to invite our whole community to that service, but to our series. Uh, So throughout December, we are going to be talking about Christmas gifts. Christmas gifts that God gives, the best of all being the gift of His presence. Uh, And so the title of my message today is The Gift of Presence. And when I say presence, I'm not talking about presence. As in all the good things wrapped under the tree, Uh, my kids are excited about those. The relatives already want to start bringing gifts open, but I'm pretty sure they would open up before the 25th if we did that. Um, Those gifts are awesome, but we are talking about the gift of God's presence, His closeness, the gift of intimacy with Him. Now, I want to begin with a story this morning, It's not my story. Uh, It's a story about an incredibly famous singer and songwriter. Most of you will know who he is. Some of the youth might not know who he is because he's really getting up there now. But his name is Billy Joel. Has anybody heard of Billy Joel? Anyone? Yeah, there you go. He is sometimes called the Piano Man. And as soon as I read that, he's sometimes called the, uh, the Piano Man. I know that song. Awesome, Billy Joel. Billy Joel is one of the most popular recording artists and entertainers in the world. Uh, Billy Joel has sold more than 150 million albums. He has received 23 Grammy nominations, he's won five of them, but come on, even the fact that he's received 23 nominations is pretty significant. He has been inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame and into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And although Billy Joel is a man who never finished high school, he is an artist that went on to win seven honorary doctorates, all related to music and fine arts. Billy Joel is worth over $160 million. Incredible. I think we should call him up, because he might be able to help us build the church. Right, Jim? <laughs> Call Billy Joel. But you get the picture, Billy Joel is a really big deal. Now years ago, uh, when Billy was at the height of his career, this was many years ago, he was touring in big cities all over the world, he was selling out stadiums, Billy Joel received a phone call. And it's not that Billy had much time for phone calls, but he took this one because it was from his little girl at home. And it was close to Christmas time and his daughter who was very young at the time was calling Billy because she desperately wanted him to come home for Christmas. And so his daughter cried on the phone with him because she didn't see him a lot. He again he's all over the world and she pleaded with him, "Daddy, would you please come home for Christmas? Please come home. I miss you so much. I would do anything to have you home with me this Christmas." But Billy, being on tour and all, he said, honey, I am so sorry. I can't come home right now. Daddy is so busy. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to make sure that you have the most amazing Christmas present this year. When you wake up on Christmas morning, I want you to go down the stairs and I want you to open the front door because I'm going to ensure that there is a present delivered to your door. It's a special present. It's just for me. It is going to make your Christmas time so much better." And so Billy told his daughter how much he loved her. Uh, they said their goodbyes. And a few weeks later, Christmas morning, the cutest little girl with pigtails and pajamas tipped down the, tiptoed down the stairs, and she didn't go to the tree. She actually went straight to the front door, And she opened it up, and she gasped, because to her surprise, there stood a perfectly wrapped Christmas present that was over seven feet tall. And so she began ripping at the paper, and when she had ripped most of the paper off, the cardboard ends fell open, and there before her eyes stood her daddy. Billy Joel with the biggest smile on his face. And she smiled and he smiled and he laughed and she laughed and then they both began to cry and there were hugs and kisses and then Billy Joel stood up and he looked his daughter in the eyes and this is what he said. This year I brought the present of my presence. This year I brought the present of my presence. Church, how many of you know that God's present to you and I is the gift of His presence? And that is the greatest gift that we can ever receive. And so I want us just to revel in that thought this morning. How about we begin with a word of prayer? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God, we thank you that you are here, even as the song we just sang said. God, we thank you that you are God with us. We thank you that a God so powerful made himself personal for each and every person in this room. And so, God, I just pray for a revelation of that, God, that we would just uh, take that in in a whole new way, in a fresh way this morning, God, that people would walk away realizing that, Lord, you... You are with them by your spirit, the spirit of Jesus inside each and every life in this auditorium. God, we just bless your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, I want you to consider the difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them firsthand from personal experience. If we were to continue talking about famous people, there are millions of fans who know everything there is to know about their favorite celebrity. They know every word to every one of their songs. They know every line from every movie they've ever acted in. They've watched all the interviews with their favorite actor, whether that was with Jimmy Fallon or on Ellen, and they're showing up on TV shows. They have posters up in their bedrooms and magazines filled with all the details of their lives. They could tell you what their favorite celebrity had for breakfast because we live in a day and age where we have Instagram and Facebook and these things happen. They could tell you what they take in their coffee. They could tell you about their spouse and their kids and how they're making a difference in the world. But here is what I want you to catch right now. Most of them will never be able to tell you about a firsthand, personal experience with their bright and shining star. They won't. And truthfully, most of them would actually have great nerves about that. They would have anxiety about that, about meeting their star personality face-to-face, because it would seem that they're powerful. It would seem that they're persuasive, they're influential. Getting to know them on a personal level would appear impossible, wouldn't it? A lot of fans feel that way about their favorite celebrities. Now I want you to get this. The people who were alive at the time of Jesus' birth, they knew the word of God. They knew the word of God, but they did not know the word of God made flesh. They knew the Word of God, but they didn't know the Word made flesh. They studied the Bible. They memorized scriptures. They knew the prophecies about the coming Messiah. They could connect the dots throughout the Old Testament, knowing that somebody greater than their ancestor Moses was on his way. He was coming. They talked about it. They obsessed about it. But although they knew about him, they didn't know him. In fact, when Jesus showed up, there was actually an incredible confusion about his identity, and it wasn't just in the beginning, this was throughout his ministry. They questioned his teachings, they doubted his miracles, they wondered if this could be the God that they had been looking for their whole lives. When Jesus came, he would have shattered every illusion that his greatest fans would have believed to be true about him. And here's what I believe would have been so astounding about Jesus. And here is kind of the theme or the thesis that is going to carry us through the remainder of our time here today. I don't think that the people could have imagined that a God so powerful could be a God so personal, and that a God so far away could come so close. I'm going to say that again. I don't think the people could have imagined that a God so powerful could be a God so personal, that a God so far away could come so close. And now bringing this to our context today, I have to wonder if we do. If we comprehend that the same God who is infinitely powerful longs to have a relationship, a personal relationship with you and I. And that a God who in our view sometimes feels so far away in the situations and circumstances of our lives is actually closer than the mention of his name. He longs to be close to us. He longs to be intimately involved in everything that we are going through. He is closer than the mention of his name. You know, early on in the Christmas story, uh, an angel comes to Joseph, Joseph of course being Jesus' earthly father, comes to Joseph in a dream, and in addition to confirming what was foretold about Jesus, the angel reveals to Joseph one of God's names. One of his names, we're gonna take a closer look at one of God's names today. And we find this in Matthew chapter one and verse 23. This is what it says. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Church, there is no better way to talk about the gift of God's presence than to unwrap the meaning of Emmanuel, the name that assures us of God's continual presence with his people, God with us. If we were to begin this morning just by talking about the first word, first word, God, God The imagery that comes to mind is of a presence that is powerful, so powerful. Like, God, you are big. God, you are awesome. You are are greater than anything that our minds could possibly understand. You are so big, God, you are so powerful. One of the words that I remember from Bible college, which was quite a few years ago now, is the word transcendent. I don't know if you know the word transcendent. The word transcendent means going beyond ordinary limits surpassing, exceeding, superior, or supreme. Going beyond ordinary limits. Very often, when we look at God in the Old Testament, we see him as a transcendent God. Most of the time, when he is interacting with people, he is doing so in ways that go beyond limits, beyond ordinary limits. And there are far too many moments to mention throughout the Bible, but just to mention a few, in the book of Job, There's a guy named Job, and God calls out to Job from a whirlwind, from a whirlwind. God is talking. God is described like a hurricane with immense force and power. God is a whirlwind. In the book of Genesis, God is making a special promise to a guy named Abraham, and he's promising to make him the father of a great nation, and in that story, God appears as a smoking furnace, Whoa, a smoking furnace passes alongside Abraham. That's in Genesis 15 and verse 17. And so God is like an all-consuming fire. He's powerful. He's heat that purges and purifies the sacrifice. Later on in the book of Exodus, God appears very much the same. He's leading the people of Israel through the wilderness, and he's going before them as a pillar of cloud by day and as a pillar of fire by night. And we all know about Moses. Moses was the man leading the people in that experience. Moses was a man who asked to meet this powerful God personally, but the most that God ever did for Moses was tuck him in the side of a mountain. He tucked him in the side of a mountain prior to passing by him with his powerful presence, with his glory, is what that text describes. Now, never mind being afraid of God's presence, the people of Israel were afraid of Moses. They were afraid of Moses' presence when he came off the mountain because it appeared as though Moses' face was glowing with the glory of God. Maybe this is where we get our idea of a halo. Moses, your head looks like a light bulb. Moses, you got a halo. That story tells us that Moses had to put a veil over his face in order to hide himself from the people because God's presence was terrifying to them. We're talking about a powerful God. Now, in our culture today, we understand that famous people are those who place limits around themselves, they face limits around themselves. You go to any concert or, or a red carpet event, and you will find barriers that keep people from their star personality. In other words, there's distance. And for those in the crowd, although they may want to come close, uh, many experience a sense of unworthiness, like, like, wow, he's a celebrity. She's a celebrity, and I'm just me. I'm just little old me, and that's a celebrity. Moses in that sense, was sort of like a bodyguard. But I don't want you to imagine him as a bodyguard for God. God didn't need a bodyguard. He was a bodyguard for the people, literally protecting their bodies from the all-powerful presence of the Lord. (laughs) It's incredible. Exodus 19 and verse 23, it has Moses talking to God, and this is what Moses says to God. The people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourselves warned us Put limits around the mountain. Set it apart as holy. What I want you to understand right now is that the whole Old Testament narrative describes this reality that people lived in. God is holy. He's holy. And the word holy means set apart. In other words, he's powerful. He's perfect. But people, the people of Israel and you and I, are unholy. Imperfect. We struggle, they struggled, they sinned, we sin. And so if you lived on that side of history in the Old Testament, unless you purified yourself just right, you were not permitted to cross the tape. You were not permitted to cross the boundary lines. And so Moses and his brother Aaron and a whole line of priests to follow them were like bodyguards protecting the people from God's powerful presence. Now, it's true that God is transcendent. He goes beyond ordinary limits. He's exceedingly great. He's superior. He is supreme. But let me tell you what is so amazing about God. And this is the story of Christmas God's heart has always been to be with people, with people. And so there were offerings and sacrifices and purification rituals in the Old Testament that you find those in books like Leviticus that made approaching God a possibility. But it wasn't until the coming of Jesus that a powerful God became a personal God, that a God far away became a God who was close. Our main text said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. I've talked about the first word, God. Let's talk about the second word, with. Now for those of you who love language and grammar, like talking to Jessica Himshoot right now, or you know, we love to nerd out on these kinds of things, you will understand that the word with is a preposition. It's a preposition, we know that the word with is a preposition and what that does is it creates relationship between words. And I was nerding out a little bit as I thought about that. It creates relationship. Saying God with us, God with us, is a matter of saying God created relationship with us. And it's so simple and it's so mind blowing that God who is so powerful and so intense and so far away Put himself in a position of witness. God put himself in a position of witness in order to come close, in order to be personal with people. But at, while we're thinking about that, I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that God is powerful and that Jesus is powerful. John chapter 1 says this In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing has been made, that had, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, that life was the light of all mankind. To invite you into my process a little bit, uh, when I was a kid, I always thought that God the Father was powerful. God the Father was powerful, but I also believed that God the Father was impersonal. He was really big, he was really strong, you better not mess with him or he'll get you. It was God the Father. He wasn't one to be known. Uh, But Jesus, to me, was personal, but not powerful. This is the way that I worked it out when I was a child. I mean, Jesus' miracles were cool and all, but Jesus had soft features, you know? He was gentle, he pursued relationship with everybody, even people who didn't deserve it, even with his enemies, that was Jesus. And so, like the people of the New Testament, when Jesus came, I grappled with the question, could this really be the same God? Could this really be the same one? I wanna know God the Father, he's powerful, right? But then as I grew in my knowledge of God, I had a revelation of something, and that's that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one and the same. They are one and the same God. They are power and personal relationship combined. That is the God that we serve. The passage said, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. I want you to get this. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Jesus was the presence behind the formation of galaxies and everything that we know and experience today. The text said, through him, all things were made without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is that same God. In fact, scholars believe that many of the miracles that we see in the Old Testament were brought about by the pre-incarnate Christ. Those are called theophanies. Jesus was there. Jesus was in the midst of those miracles. Jesus is powerful. But we're talking about the word with. And I want you to know that Jesus is personal. Jesus is personal. Moving down to verse 14 in the text that we're looking at in John 1, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember how I was talking about Moses and how God hid him in the side of a mountain before passing by him with his glory with his presence, that glory was so powerful that it would have killed Moses, it would have super fried him, because God is holy, and God is set apart, and there had to be distance. Jesus hadn't come yet, and so there was a totally different experience of relationship with God, but for you and I, we have seen his glory. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now I already gave you the definition of the word transcendent. I talked about a God who is beyond limits. He is great, he is powerful, he is superior and supreme. But there's another word that is just as true about God. And that is that he is imminent. He is imminent. Because of Jesus, because of Christmas, because of the gift of presence, the same God who is beyond limits is now within the limits of possible experience. The same God who is beyond limits is now within the limits of possible experience and knowledge. Listen to me now, church, this is so important. The same God, the same one, who spoke to Job in a whirlwind, spoke to Mary in a baby's whisper. The same God, the same one, He's the same God. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that holds the stars in place is the same little infant hand that clutched a hold of Mary's finger. The same God. Jesus is that same God. We owe him all of our worship. We owe him all of our praise. Praise his holy name this morning because again, God who is powerful has become personal. God who is far away has come close. Our text said God with us. He is with us. God contracted space and time to be born as a baby, the most intimate Of experience that we can have is with a baby, a child. This was, in a sense, God as a bright and shining star stepping off the stage of eternity, moving past the barriers, moving past the bodyguards, and walking right up to you. This is God who is adored by millions of fans, who has millions of things to do, coming home and showing up on your front door and embracing you, not only as a fan, but as his family. This is God. You are his son. You are his daughter. He will make time for you. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. This is God, who is both powerful and personal. Billy Joel is a celebrity who sings songs to hundreds of millions of people. Again, you heard me mention it, 150 million albums. But Billy Joel is a father who sings lullabies to his baby girl. He's a father, and it is humbling to know right now, and I just want us to revel in this knowledge, in this experience right now, it is humbling to know that the God of the universe sings over his children. It actually says that in the book of Psalms. His song is with me in the night. He is a good, good Father. And so not only is he God, he is God with us. He is God with us. Ironic as it may be, the God who is beyond limits is within the limits of possible experience for you and for me. In the person of Jesus Christ, we see tenderness and power combined. In the person of Jesus Christ, we see truth and love combined. He is both. Read the Gospels. And so when we revel in his presence, we recognize his power and we thank him for being so personal, so approachable. The last word within the meaning of Emmanuel is really important for us to remember at Christmas time. But to be honest, it could actually be a stumbling block for some people Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. The name Jesus was given at Christmas time doesn't mean God with all. It means God with us. He is God with us. And so us seems to imply that the presence of God is somehow somehow exclusive. There's a them and there's an us to God with us. And church, I want you to know that 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 is actually true. It's true because we live in a world where millions of people don't care about God they may know a little bit about him, but they're not his fans. They, adore, they don't adore him in the same way as Christians. We sang this morning, oh come, let us adore him. But moving beyond that, God with us is not even an address to those people, those people who don't care about him. I think sometimes as Christians we think that way. Well, this must be talking about those other people. But God with us is an address to people who long for him, who seek for him, who go out of their way to spend time in the powerful and personal presence of Jesus Christ. The word of God says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Seek him. God is with us. He is with us who seek after his presence. And unfortunately, there were people just miles away from where Jesus was born in Bethlehem who were good people. I mean good people. Sometimes you'll talk to Christians, non-Christians, well, I'm a good person. But they were good people who were distracted by the things of this world. They were good people who were distracted maybe even by religious things. But all the while, it's like they were missing the presence. They were missing God's personal presence, Church, I was thinking about the series that we just finished. We just finished a huge series on salvation and on the Holy Spirit, and I want us to consider why Pastor Greg has been focusing so much on prayer and so much on the power of the Holy Spirit. It's because Pastor Greg knows that nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. It's because he knows that all of us need to have a revelation of the relationship that we can have with Christ. It's a relationship that Moses longed for with every fiber of his being. Moses asked for this. He said, God, I want to see you. I want to see you personally. And God said, oh, we're going to put you on the side of a mountain. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter three, Paul is talking about Moses. Moses had to hide in a mountain when God's glory passed by. Moses had to wear a veil when he came off the mountain because God's presence was so terrifying. But second Corinthians chapter three, it says this, We are not like Moses. I want you to understand that, church. We are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, Moving down to verse 18, we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory. Glory, 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 which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All that power is accessible for you through a continual pursuit of personal relationship with Jesus. Wow. Church, this was the very thing that Moses was denied. If Moses was in this room right now, I want you to imagine Moses in this room. He would march up here on stage. He would take away my microphone, and he would say, People of Mournville, do you understand what you've been given? Do you understand what you've been given? You have an all access stage pass to the unrestricted glory of God. You have an all access stage pass to the unrestricted glory of God. You can walk past the barriers. You don't need a mountain between you and the glory. You can walk past the limitations and right into the most holy place. God with us, hallelujah. And I'll remind you right now that the veil, we've talked about a veil a little bit in this message, the veil, the curtain separating people from God's holy presence was torn in two when Jesus died on the cross. This is a whole new reality. This is a whole new Christmas. This is a whole new, the gift of God's presence. You can have a face-to-face with the most powerful and the most personal God, a face-to-face to face unveiled experience. And when you do, that powerful and personal God will purify you of sin. Although he's personal, he's still powerful. Remember, smoking furnace. (laughs) But he'll burn away false allegiances and he'll break bondages. And because he's personal, he will embrace you as a son. Oh, and he will embrace you as a daughter. But he won't do it unless you open the door talked about the child opening the door for her daddy. The Bible says, but to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You wanna be included in God with us. It's your choice. It's your choice. This is more than a one-time prayer where you invite Christ in. This is a day in, day out way of life where you appropriate the presence. And I wanna ask you this Christmas, will you appropriate the presence of God? Will you long for Him? Will you love Him? Will you spend time with Him? The Bible has Jesus talking in the book of Revelation and what He says is, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. And sharing a meal, maybe sharing a Christmas meal, because this is a Christmas message, is a matter of enjoying someone's presence. This was actually the most intimate kind of abiding or communion that you could have with somebody in the Bible. People would have a meal together. Thank you, Lord. And so church family, never mind Billy Joel. Never mind Billy Joel. Jesus is standing at your door and he is knocking on the door of your heart, and he is saying, I brought you a present. (laughs) I brought you the present of my presence. Hallelujah, can we just give God a hand clap? Thank you, Lord. I'm gonna invite the band to come now, and as they come, I wanna ask you, in what way are you in need of God's presence today? Are you in need of his power? Are you in need of God's power today? Because he is that same God. You may be going through a situation that is so much bigger than you, so much bigger than anything that you could handle. And maybe that is, a, maybe that is health. We actually had to rush Cliff Taylor home before the service because he wasn't feeling well. A powerful God can heal Cliff Taylor. Powerful God can heal you if you are sick. He is powerful. He is a whirlwind. Wow. Maybe you're in financial crisis. Maybe you're experiencing brokenness in a relationship. Maybe you need wisdom at work. Maybe you're in need of direction today. There's a big decision that you need to make. These are areas where God's power, His power can manifest in awesome and supernatural ways. And so I'm just believing that this auditorium is just an environment of faith right now. That the Holy Spirit is here, that God is in this place. We sang that. And that the same God who came as a whirlwind and as a furnace and as a pillar of cloud will come powerfully in your situation. I'm believing this for you this morning. And he will give you what you need. Maybe it's uh, an area where you're looking to overcome sin or struggle. Jesus is the one and only powerful God who defeated sin for you. This is not about being a try hard. This is not about striving. This is about you appropriating the presence more and more and more and more into your life because Jesus and that powerful presence will power out that sin. so if you've received Christ, the same power that conquered the grave lives in you. And so I want you to believe for strength and power that comes from Jesus to resonate within you. And so I'm just going to pray about that first of all. Is there anyone who would say, I need power. I resonate with power. Hallelujah. Powerful God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And so, God, for each and every person who has raised their hand, Lord, you are God with us. God being powerful, God being transcendent, God being exceedingly great and superior and supreme. Hallelujah. God, we just pray for a power encounter with you right now. God, we pray for restoration. We believe for resurrection. God, we believe for healing, hallelujah. God, we believe for breakthroughs. God, it ought not be that your people are powerless because you are powerful and you are God with us. Hallelujah. And so receive that today. He's a powerful God. Let's remember that Jesus is not only powerful, he's personal, he's God with us, with. And there may be people in this room and there's just a very simple prayer, I am believing for a deeper and more intimate and more personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And in his presence is fullness of joy. And in his presence there is peace and there is joy and there's confidence. And, and if you're saying this morning, I just need a personal touch from Jesus. And you, you understand that when he comes close, you will be comforted. Hallelujah. You will be strengthened because he's not just powerful, he is personal. Is there anybody that says, I long for that today? You can raise your hand twice that's all right (laughs) hallelujah thank you lord oh god that we would appropriate your presence god that we would appropriate it into our lives hallelujah god i pray that you would draw people into your presence thank you lord thank you lord god that even in the watches of the night when people can't sleep this might be for somebody this morning that you would call out to Jesus and say, be with me right now. And for people who are so desperately lonely, that you would call out to Jesus and say, be with, with me right now. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us. Thank you, Lord.